ロッカラの使者スパイダーマンはい、皆さん、スプーキーハウスは終わりです。サーディアナフ、レギュラー・スーパーハウス、イズ・オフィシャル・バック。This is Andrew, and I'm once again joined by Matthias. Oh, hi. And Stephanavius, or Wolfie, whatever your name is. You can call me whatever you like. I realize that I introduced you guys as, as introduced myself to you guys as Stefan Way on, and it's like hard to shake that. Yeah, there's、man. a new name, but really, really, the, the you know, Wolfie is, is, is a work in progress still. So, you are your own spirit on, animal, that's true. And I'm also, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I don't have anything. <laughs> I'm Thunder、it. Wolf, dude, by the way. So, we're we're we got that <laughs> going on. Wolf, Thunder Wolf, Wolf. yeah, I know, weird, right? Maybe we should work this wolf theme more anyway. Uh, but anyway, uh. <laughs> This、oh、week, we're going to be <laughs> talking first to our senior retro gaming correspondent, Jared Bowditch. He is the brother of Jeremy Bowditch that has been on the podcast two or three times before. And it will be his inaugural segment. And then we get to our main segment after that, which is this week it's about American superheroes and how they were localized in Japan. So, first、Ooh. off, let's take it away with Jared. So, coming up now is our senior retro gaming correspondent, Jared Bowditch. Thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, no problem. Good to be here.、Hey. All right. So, you have, glad to have you here. So, you have,、uh, you have prepared a little bit about some retro games that you think that we should all know about? I did. I did. I've got two, two different categories today. I'm going to be talking about cut em ups and anime fighters. Did you guys catch that, by the way? Cut em ups? Cut em ups, ups、yeah. which are a subset of the shoot em up genre where all the assets and in game art are cute or kawaii or whichever <laughs> aesthetic. By, by the way,、works. so you might want to need to explain shoot em up for the listener as well. <laughs> okay, well, a shoot em up is a game like R Type or Gradius or Phoenix or Space Invaders, pretty much other people call them bullet hells. Um, mm-hmm. It's a game where you're a spaceship and you're like shooting lasers often, like pew pew, either upwards or to the right of the screen, depending on if it's、mm-hmm. a top down or side scrolling shooter. But like pretty Galaga, much games like、right? Ikaruga, Gradius,、uh, Galaga, those are all shoot em ups. Life Force? Life Force is definitely included. XX, all those, Xevious, all those old, old shooters. But the difference is with cut em ups. 1945. You're going to get a lot less spaceships and aliens that look like genitalia, and you're going to get more <laughs> like G rated stuff, I guess, like rabbits and hearts and like bunnies and carrots and stars. And <laughs> I guess they're more closely related to gag manga、um, in their aesthetic. So, what is gag manga? Gag、Sounds、manga、cool. is just like Japanese comedy manga. So it's just like stuff that's、okay. very whimsical. You know, you're going to get a lot of poop jokes and a lot of pop culture references and things like that.、Um, Dr. Slump think, would be an example of, of a gag manga. When I think gag comic, I think of like a whole different type of comic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, very tongue in cheek. Kind of like, oh, you know, like. <laughs> 
<laughs> wink, wink. It's like, like a gag. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I would say like the titular cute em up or the cute em up that like, you know, you're gonna probably hear people asking about if you were in like a retro gaming store would be um, a game called Parodius, which is right. definitely closely related to Gradius, hence the name, but it's called Parodius, which is like parody and Gradius put together. It's yeah, so like, I mean, I would say Parodius is kind of like the genre defining one or like the one like if your listeners want to Google that would probably best explain the genre, but there's three different ones that I'm going to highlight. And then I've also got a list of honorable mentions that they could just Google if they're really curious. Nice. Cool. Um, so the first one I'm going to talk about is called Hana Takadaka, which is a very obscure Japan only shoot 'em up. I mean, cute 'em up that was released for the PC engine. Um, oh, shit. And it's essentially like a side scrolling shooter. The story is you're a fox whose girlfriend was stolen by some evil guy. <laughs> and your only, I guess, recourse is to pray to this Tengu kind of <laughs> savior guy who comes out of this shrine. And that's, that's who you end up playing as is this Tengu who, for some reason, is trying to get this fox guy's girlfriend back um but it's actually pretty cool it's like a side scrolling shooter everything is really really cute but you get a lot of really fun power-ups um like a, a speed up power up a power up that makes you physically bigger on the screen and makes your shot bigger too and then you get these things that are called options which is like you know something that's kind of repeated all throughout the shoot 'em up genre what an option is is essentially you get like another smaller version of your ship like next to you that's shooting out bullets so you're not mm -hmm. shooting one bullet you're shooting like three bullets in a row if you've got two of them and they'll kind of trail you around and echo your shots so that can be very useful for like enemies that uh require a lot more bullets to kill them mm -hmm. um but yeah it's super fun side scrolling and like ridiculously cute you know but it's like in, in this particular one it's like super japanese so it's like you're gonna have things like um kappa for example and jizo statues which are like those little buddhist statues with like the red scarves and you'll have uh tanukis and all sorts of things from japanese folklore so i feel like that's one that probably would be weird to localize but it's definitely a lot of fun um localize <laughs> The next one that I'm going to talk about is probably my favorite one out of these three, just because of how obscure the concept is. It's, I feel like it's a concept that would really only work in Japan because like they kind of appreciate arcades a lot more over there. Um, mm -hmm. It's this, this one is like an arcade game that was also released on the Sega Saturn and it's called game Tim game Tengoku or game paradise. And this is a, like a top-down shooter so it's like would play more similarly to like galaga or ikaruga or like any of those like i don't know if you've ever played dodonpaki or anything like that it kind of plays like one of those games and the thing that's cool about it is it's got like a pretty diverse group of like anime tropes that you can pick as like your main character and then also it's like every level takes place in like a different part of this arcade and so it's like all like arcade themes specifically like arcade games and you like when you get options in this game you can kind of like 
select a different character that you didn't pick to be your option. So if you pick the anime girl, you know, but you were curious about like the rocket ship pig or like the giant robot trope kind of character, you could get one of those as your option one and one of those as your option two. So that way you get like your bullets and your charge shots, you know, you can kind of really personalize it towards like what you want it to play like. So if you've, if you're fond of like, like if you regretted picking like the pig on the airplane and you're really fond of that robot guy, then you could pick up that robot guy as like two of your options in that way. You kind of can program your, your shot like after your initial choice. And then like all the, all the enemies are like, you know, Gashapon like balls and like actual arcade machines come to life and just like they're shooting game discs at you. Like it's very silly, but for the listener, can you spell that game out again? Uh, game Tengoku, so game, like G-A-M-E-T-E-N-G-O-K-U, or okay, yeah. it's also known as Game Paradise. So if you Google Game Paradise, like it'll bring up Game Tengoku. Um, the third one that I'm going to talk about is a game called Harmful Park, which is very similar to Parodius, um, but you never really upgrade your weapon with the slider system it's more like you just get power-ups and that powers up like your weapon but you've got access to all your weapons from jump so it's like you've got like a potato which is just shoots bullets or a jelly bean which you know (laughs) shoots like heat seeking bullets or ice cream which is like your laser or pie which is like a grenade launcher type of thing and you can switch to each of those weapons like whenever you want and depending on which weapon you're on it'll upgrade that weapon so if you have all your weapons upgraded to four you know you just get like you just have really powerful weapons but then say you take a hit it only affects that one weapon that you were switched to um and you can like switch to your weapons like by pressing a button and then also your bomb kind of depends on which weapon you're on. So if you're on the ice cream weapon, you use that bomb, it's going to be different than the bomb would be if you were on the jelly bean weapon. A lot of variety. Yeah, yeah, a lot of variety and a lot of control, which, like, I really like in a shooter. Um, And that's another one that takes place in, like, a theme park. So each different level is, like, a different section of the theme park. So you get, like, the carnival section, the Halloween section, the underwater section, you know, it's, like, the thing I like about these games is that they're high on whimsy. And so mm-hmm. you kind of get a good variety, but the difficulty level, you know, is kind of like similar to games that are more for core gamers or whatever. <laughs> Taken more seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it's funny because they're deceptive in that way. Like you think they would be these easy games, but you might be throwing your controller. <laughs> <laughs> I do that um, anyway. Cool though. <laughs> And so for these honorable mentions, I'll just, uh, you know, I won't even really go into these games. I'll just say the titles. And so if someone wants to Google them, you know, they can, they can get into them. I'll, I'll say what system they're on though. So uh, there's Rabio Lepus, R-A-B-I-O-L-E-P-U-S. That's another very strange cute up for the PC engine. And then there is Gunnack, G-U-N-N-A-C which is a fun uh, top-down cut-em-up for the NES. If you manage to find the cart, you're easily coming out of pocket for like more than $150 for it, so I would say emulate it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fantasy Zone is a really fun 
um, side-scrolling up that came out on the Sega originally, but has been ported to other systems. Um, then there's Haka Mecha Fighter, H-A-C-H-A Mecha Fighter, which is essentially the same exact game as Hanataka Daka, except you're like a little otter in a plane instead of a Tengu. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and then there's this one game that I really wanted to play, but the Famicom the Famicom disc system is such an obscure platform that it's there isn't really good emulation for it. So it's like you'd have to track down like a Famicom, like a twin Famicom and an you actual can, you copy can of this game. Disc system, man, I've done it several times. Well, if you have ever played Otaki, you know, yeah. But, oh, okay. Well, I I would like to play that game. I've been trying to emulate it on my Mac with Yosemite, and I've been having a lot of difficulty. Oh, you can totally play it. Because, yeah, it's, it's like a rhythm-based cut-em-up, which I think is very interesting. Um, and then the final one on the honorable mentions list for cut-em-ups is essentially the same exact thing as Parodius, except this is like Hudson's version of it. It's called Star Parodier, and instead of side-scrolling, it's vertical. And, like, one of the ships that you can pick is an actual PC engine, just anthropomorphized, like, <laughs> like as a ship, just, like, which is a whole lot of fun. And that and that's it for the cutem ups. PC Engine, by the way, is Turbo Graphics sixteen. It's a totally different look in Japan. It was a wh- white system. Turbo mm-hmm. Graphics in America was a was like black and brown, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, brown always uh, looks good on electronics. But it's like either either one of those. Like if you're looking for a Turbo Graphics duo or a PC Engine duo, which are you know ones that'll take cards and discs. Like I was at a store the other day and saw one for like four hundred and twenty eight dollars it's like if you want to like be like a retro gaming purist and like plug this shit up to like a you know crt tv it can get expensive mm-hmm. yeah man um nerd i think the pc engine was also known for um it was known for shoot 'em ups yeah I yeah i mean pc engine is known for shoot 'em ups sega saturn also very known for shoot 'em ups yeah, but yeah. a lot of those titles even the japan um, releases can get very, very expensive on eBay. Yeah. Airzonk, too. You know about yeah, that? Yeah, Airzonk. I was going to put that on the list, but I wasn't trying to have it be like, you know, super long. But Airzonk is another one that's a whole lot of fun. That's Bonk. If you guys know anything about Bonk, it was like Bonk mm-hmm. was the was the mascot for PC Engine and Turbo Graphics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like a little caveman character with a bald head. Mm-hmm. And it was generally a platformer, but there was a, it was a cute em up basically, right? It was it was not instead of bonk, it was zonk. Yeah, it's it's like zonk. He's flying and he's got like a cool pair of Squirtle Squad glasses. And <laughs> it's a it's a really hard game though, like definitely, definitely not easy. Before we move on to the next category, I wanted to ask: so you, so this is like one of your favorite genres, or what? Um. I mean, I would say I'm very casual when it comes to shooters because it's like you've got to kind of be like really good and have like lightning quick reflexes to like, you know, get to the last level and beat it without getting frustrated. So I just kind of, I like the breadth of the genre and I just like kind of playing as many different ones as I can to just kind of understand like, you know, the kind of like the market and kind of like you can kind of just see like, you know, what kind of like became popular and like what kind of led to other things. So I'm more into them for like nerdy reasons than sheer enjoyment. 
I didn't even know they existed until I started watching Metal Jesus on YouTube. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's such a crazy, I mean, obviously, like, you know, Japan is the reason why there's so many of them, because, like, <laughs> you know, they don't, don't, they're, like, don't really, like, release them, like, in America, but, I mean, it's just such a vast, such a vast genre, like, I mean, I think one of the most recent ones they released here was, like, on Xbox 360, it's called Otomedius, and uh -huh. it's just, like, uh, it's like just like Parodius, but I guess upgraded and with like more kind of like Moe girls that you can pick. But I mean, a lot of like if you look at like cave shooters, Atlas shooters, and um, I think like there's some other developer that I'm like forgetting now, but if you look at like a lot of like the older or I mean, a lot of like the more recent like 2D arcade releases in like the shooter category a lot of them are like kind of bordering between cute em up and shoot em up you know there's like this kind of like anime aspect to them which is like it's like cool because it's like super cartoony but also like really difficult and like like i don't know if you've ever played like mushihime sama or doranpaki or any of that stuff i've dabbled in the genre for years uh i know some of these games i don't know the ones you just said though but i am one thing i'm like i'm most uh, what do you call it like kind of i don't know shocked i was just sort of surprised that this genre there's like a hardcore niche following like this there's a lot of people out there where the shoot 'em ups and cute 'em ups too i guess like it's their favorite genre it's like it's like a more core than fighting game fans, you know, it's like a whole thing. Yeah, it's strange because the genre is so repetitive. I'm just like, what is attracting these diehard fans, especially the ones who are willing to spend like hundreds and hundreds of dollars in order to emulate them perfectly or have, you know, the perfect frame rate when they're playing yeah. these games. I'm just like, mm -hmm. I don't really see the uh, attraction to it, but. These, they love it. They fucking love it. Yeah, yeah, they're like, this is video gaming at its penultimate, or like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man, what's the next category? Um, The next category, this is a category that I'm actually very passionate about, and <laughs> um, I've got like a pretty good wealth of knowledge on them. Um, next category is anime fighters, and it's kind of strange because a lot of people would say, oh, well, isn't Street Fighter an anime fighter because the characters are anime? And it's like, that's not really the case. It's like this weird distinction where like anime fighters are fighters that kind of like embrace the more absurd, you know, aspects of anime. So um, they're like less, it's like shooting a fireball out of your hand is not the most anime you can get. You know, like there's <laughs> like, like you, you can get more anime than, than, than just that. So I guess like the genre defining anime fighter or at least like what introduced me to them would be um jojo's bizarre adventure oh yeah which was released by capcom in the late 90s and it essentially it like plays like a capcom fighting game you know so it's kind of like similar to marvel versus capcom or street fighter alpha and like the way that you do combos and execute specials and stuff but the only mm -hmm. difference is you get to control these ghosts essentially called stands so it's like you're a fighter but you've got the ability to project this other fighter out in front of you and like battle with that and then if that fighter you know gets killed then it's like you 
temporarily lose the ability to summon it, but you've still got your main health meter. Um, I guess like from like the main character. And so it's just kind of like getting into like less of like a purely, you know, dive kicking dragon punching type of fighting game and kind of making it a little more um, supernatural or a little more anime. Like, I, I don't know. Um, I played it. I played it back in the day. I remember seeing in the in the uh, arcade too, and I and I and it, it it was different. And I remember being like, I don't know how to play this. This is not like any other fighter I've ever seen. You know, the mechanics were different. Yeah, like the, the the mechanics just. I feel like they lend a lot more. They lend a lot more to setup and like laying traps and things like that. And it kind of really like it's almost like you're. The, like the, the strategy that you're relying on is more character specific and less like you're gonna because I, I feel like like in like most traditional 2d fighters you know you've got your zangiefs you've got your you know your kind of protagonist similar to ryu you've got your stretchy guys you've got your you know your rush-in guys that you kind of you know have to like break into like the person's like zone and like you know get up close to them and punch them kind of like balrog and stuff like that but with these anime fighters, it's just like, it's like there's almost more types, you know, it's like more specialized per character and you're going to get a lot less repetition, which is kind of more of a challenge because it like challenges you to like really study the character that you're choosing to pick. Right. Um, and so the first, uh, the first title that I'm going to talk about is Astra Superstars. And this is like a super, super rare title um i don't know if any of you guys have heard of waku waku 7 yeah but um sunsoft released uh was releasing some anime fighters briefly back in like the late 90s waku waku 7 was their first one that one plays kind of similar to you know a lot of like capcom and like 2d fighters and then they made this other one that i don't really like as much called galaxy fight that has like a you know no corner has like a constantly scrolling background but then like their third release in that almost trilogy that they made was a game called Astra Superstars, and it's really cool because it's like, it's like super anime, like over the top anime, like really, really cute. Um, mm. But it almost like, it plays almost like you like would wish that like some of the earlier Dragon Ball fighters would have played. Like, <laughs> it's like both characters are suspended in air, and you can get cornered, but you can jump. It's like you have two jumps. You can jump above or below somebody. So oh, it really. Shit kind of gives you this sense of like being airborne while you're fighting mm. and then it's like a six button fighter so the way that like you do combos is the way that you do combos is very like interesting because it's like so your first combo chain would be like low middle high you know like one two three or whatever but then mm. you know which would kind of bounce them like you know up or bounce them down but then if you press four five six that's like a similar but different combo that's going to bounce them to like a different part of the stage. And so you can kind of switch up your combos and do like a, you know, like four, five, three, or like a one, five, six, you know, or like four, two, three. And so it gives you like this ability to really switch up your combos and keep your opponents guessing. And then, then like when you knock them into the wall, like if you do a really good combo and you knock them into the wall, they'll come like ricocheting back at you. So it's like, you kind of like, get another chance to like knock them back against the wall and it kind of like makes it feel like almost like a ping pong match at certain points. Can you points. emulate that on the on MAME? 
Yeah, MAME is MAME's the only way you're going to emulate it because I've been trying to emulate it on Yabause, which is the Saturn emulator, and it does not load. That's, but yeah, never, if, that's never going to work. If you, if you can find yeah, if you can find it on MAME, and you, you'll probably need a CHD, but yeah, it works pretty well on MAME if you can find all the right components. Shit. All right. That sounds good. Yeah, it's, it's definitely worth checking out um, if you are a fan of fighters. The next one that I'm going to talk about is a fairly recent release that came out on the PS3 and PS4 called Nitro Plus Blasters. <laughs> and this is like, like Nitro Plus, I guess, is like a visual novel label in Japan. Um, they're the ones who, you know, own Super Sonico. And okay. she's so if, if you're like if you're like weeb trash or you're really into like you know, body pillows or whatever. You probably know who Super Sonico is. <laughs> Weep trash. I love it. I mean, love like, it. I like love she's it. she's like the you know like the pink big titty girl with like the headphones that people love to get <laughs> body pillows and be shoujo figures of. But um, she's like essentially Nitro Plus's mascot. So they made her a playable character in this game. And so this is an anime fighter that plays more similarly to. I want to say Guilty Gear or Blaze Blue, mm -hmm. um, wherein like the characters are all very, very different. Like like I was saying, and a lot of characters require like intense setup, or they'll just have a really weird gimmick um, to like the way their moves work. And so it's like it requires you to really study the character hardcore in order to be of any use with them. Um, one of the main things about anime fighters that I really like is desperation moves. And these are something that I kind of first saw in Guilty Gear, but it's kind of like a, it's a metered move to where like, if you've got high enough meter and you've got, either you've got the opponent on their last bit of life or you're on your last bit of life, or like in some games, it's like you'll press all, all like the, you know, fighting buttons at the same time and that'll activate like a burst mode or something. And so you've got this very short meter where you've got a, kind of get in their face and execute this desperation attack. I think they're mostly used for kind of those oh shit situations when you're like about to die. But mm -hmm. if you hit them with it, it essentially is like a one hit kill attack. And oftentimes they'll go into these really dramatic anime cutscenes <laughs> that, you know, will be like super violent and then end with like the character, like, you know, completely dying. And they'll say something like destroyed or like finish or something like that. And I love those. Cause it's just, such a dramatic way to end a match that you thought you were going to lose. And this game mm -hmm. has a lot of really great ones. Um, there's this one character, the character that I like to use, she's like a vampire hunter and she fights with a big hammer and her desperation attack. Mm -hmm. It kind of like zooms out on like the two characters and all you really see is the silhouette and she's just beating the shit out of them with the hammer. And then it zooms in on the hammer and this giant spike comes out of it. And like it comes down and they really like emphasize the blood spray and make it seem like Dang. really brutal and it's like automatic kill um i think sonica's is like she just like jiggles around and stuff and then you get like some kind of like status boost temporarily afterwards um but that game's a whole lot of fun i feel like it didn't really get that big of a following which is tragic because it's definitely a game that you could get pretty competitive with um it looks cool the third one that i'm going to talk about is both an anime fighter and a doujin fighter and for those of you who don't know a doujin fighter means that it was developed by a devoted group of nerds in a basement somewhere oftentimes 
in <laughs> Japan. Um, and it's like, I got a lot of respect for these developers because it's like literally like, you know, a garage operation and they kind of come out of it a lot of the time with uh, these really kind of like surprisingly complex and deep 2D fighters. Um, cool. And uh, Akatsuki Blitzkampf, um, Akatsuki is actually a playable character in Nitro Plus Blaster. So it got a big of enough following to actually get some like legit licensing. Um, I really like this game because it's just like, I don't know, it's like super unique while at the same time kind of like paying respect to, you know, SNK games. Like it feels like an SNK game. But it's got like its own, it's like got like its own kind of like mythos and its own kind of set of rules where like, what like, was the like name again? um, Akatsuki Blitzkampf. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's like A-K-A-T-S-U-K-I Blitzkampf, B-L-I-T-Z-K-A-M-P-F. <laughs> and there's a sequel that came out, um, for PC only. And I forget the actual name cause it's just something very weird in German, but, um, the game's crazy. Like one of the characters you can be in the game is like a literal fucking tank, like an actual <laughs> tank with like a skull on it. And you just run people over and like shoot them with cannons and everything. And it's just like, that's the thing I like about anime fighters is that they're more willing to embrace the absurd. Whereas yeah. like, you know, some other fighters which have anime elements, but are, which kind of try to stay more grounded are, you know, like street fighter and soul caliber and dead or alive and shit like that. And it's like, while I love those games, it's like, I do like games that, you know, kind of are not afraid to get wacky. The one that everyone's freaking out about right now, and which I agree is definitely the new Marvel in every way, shape or form is Dragon Ball fighters, but I'm pretty sure, you know, people have already heard about that. Yeah. Um, blaze blue and guilty gear are pretty, uh, pretty representative of like, kind of like the new era of anime fighters um they both but like those two are both related in that they're both arc system works games and they've got a very similar kind of control scheme aquapaza is a fun one if you're into moe or <laughs> even if you're just looking for like another game to kick the shit out of someone with that one's pretty fun arcana heart is another moe fighter that's a pretty good time um, it's like nothing crazy. It's not like genre defining or like, it's not gonna really going to blow your mind, but it's like, it's fun. Um, Koikime Inbu is, uh, this game where you're like these Chinese princess girls. <laughs> like, so it's got, it's almost like crouching tiger aesthetic, but you're these anime girls, but like the engine is very similar to street fighter four, I think. So that's why it's got like a giant following in Japan, like a huge, huge following, like a lot of tournaments and stuff like that. The past Be three that you mentioned all have PS4 releases and no one's talking about them. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I feel like that's the thing that's kind of unfortunate about the fighting game community is that, you know, it's, I feel like it's like bandwagoning is kind of the name of the game. It's like, if everyone's not playing it, no one's playing it, you know, which mm. kind of like, Let's, it leaves a lot of really amazing games kind of in the dust. Um, Vanguard Princess is one that came out on Steam, which is uh, which was originally a Dojin fighter, which is you know pretty fun, like anime girl fighter. Um, Hokuto no Kin on PS2. If you ever have a chance to play that game, that game's a blast. It's an Arc System uh -oh. Works, Fist of the North Star, Fist of the North game. Star, yes. 
And then um, there is a Persona 4 Arena Ultimate, which came out on PS3 and PS4. That game plays very, very, very similarly to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, except it's related to like the Shin Megami Tensei games instead of you know JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I could not recommend that game enough. Um, I fucking love it, and I wish more people played it. And then the last one on the honorable mentions list is Groove on Fight, which is... Uh, <laughs> from the Goketsuji and or Power Instinct franchise of like fighting games. And the reason why I'm calling out this one specifically, even though there's like a bunch of games from that franchise, is that this one has the wackiest characters in it. <laughs> um, like you can be like a mad scientist with giant robot arms who attacks with like leeches that he summons from the ground or you can be like a magical girl or you can be this like crazy witch who like attacks with like a musical note then they've also got it's only 187 dollars for sega saturn on amazon <laughs> mame is mame's the answer mame yeah is the i know answer. i got you <laughs> like oh yeah i mean it's, it's like a it's like a really fun game it's got that kind of like two-on-two king of fighters kind of tag team vibe to it where you can like switch your character in and out um, and then it's got just like such a breadth. It's it's like such an amalgamation of like all the games that were coming out at the time. If you kind of look back and like what the arcade fighting game scene was like at that time, like it's it reminds me of like everything from like you know Savage Rain, Kizuna Encounter to like um, Rage of the Dragons or King of Fighters or Breakers Revenge. If you've ever heard of that game, um, these are all SNK games, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's it seems very closely related to SNK. Like I'm trying to think of like what I think Atlas is the people who are responsible for the Yeah, they made Groove on Fight, yeah. Yeah. Um I got to say I agree with the the character design stuff also. Uh I feel like a lot of fighting games recently maybe it's just cuz I played Soul Calibur recently, most recently, but it's like need to get more creative, need to have some vision behind these characters. It's it's the thing is, they're trying to appeal, like, whoever, whatever group they were trying to appeal to with, like, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite is, yeah. like, the group that's gonna, like, ruin fighting games. Look, dude, mm -hmm. I grew up playing Marvel vs. Capcom 1 and 2 endlessly. Yeah, those games were brilliant. And then, and then when 3 came around, it was kind of like, it, it felt like this as a fan, as a, as a long-time fan, this is what it felt like. It went from artists making it something that they love to when you get to three it's like okay a company's making this now yeah it's like it's like it's like slaves who are making something you know like under threat of termination or like having their careers ruined or something you know it's <laughs> like it's like who are they making this game for you know it's like it doesn't seem like they're making it for fighting game fans like it lost the magic it really did it did, something was lost there same honestly it's the same with fucking the new killer instinct it's like it's a good cover of the original, but it's not great. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I feel this. I, I kind of feel the same way about the new virtual on, combo. Literally, no one is playing. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. it's like it's 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 like they, because I mean, it's like yo, you could have a bunch of like indiscriminate like blobs up there, but if the engine is good enough, it'll still be a good time to play. It's like if you focus all the budget. On like aesthetic and like nothing on the actual gameplay like i need like responsive controls good sound design you know like a 
competitive engine that like you know seems fair and like not exploitable and like yeah. i feel like those things are not that hard and i feel like dragon ball fighters is actually one of the most recent games that's come out that has really hit that kind of golden middle ground of like Balance, yeah yeah it just feels balanced and it feels like uh even though i get my ass handed to me anytime i pick up the controller you know if i'm playing someone who actually knows how to play like it just like it feels like it feels like the people who made the game actually like to play fighting games themselves. Yeah, and they love the Dragon Ball lore too, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's it seems to be. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree definitely. Is that you it know, for the list, man? That is that is it for the list, dude. Man. That was fucking awesome, man. A fucking first segment, dude. You fucking knocked it out of the park, man. That was sure. that was great. Yeah, I was I, trying I mean, to keep. This, this is all all the shit that like I never get to talk to anyone about, so. Nice. Well, we can fucking come back anytime, man. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was very informative. I did my best to keep up with all the names and stuff and had like a, a, a kind of an overstimulating visual kind of thing going on here with my TV while you were talking to the, the a lot of those games looked fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, send I me can a list by the way. So yeah, I, I can, can I can that? send you the list that I that I uh, wrote down. That'll be helpful. I think in the in the episode description. And it's crazy because like I left out so much. Like both of these genres are like way, way deeper. Yeah. It's funny, like you're talking about like you just dropped real quick a bunch of stuff. Like, well, A, you know, a lot of anime fans know this already in America, but Moy, huge, but like I feel like there's a certain part of our listener base that only knows about American comics. Okay. So there's like there's Moy, which is like a whole thing, and then magical girl anime. That's a whole other fucking thing. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, so many subgenres in, within. I'm Jet like World. I'm a bitter old man, so like I would tell you that Moe is like the scourge of like of anime currently. But well, like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like wishing for the days of like Vampire Hunter D and Ninja Scroll and Devil Man mm-hmm. and all that. Hell yeah. Well, Devil Man came back through Netflix a little bit. It Area did, but zero. now you've got all these like hot topic bandwagoners like jumping on and trying to act like they actually give a fuck about Devil Man. I'm like, yeah, yeah, where, where were you at when the OVO was, you know? Debut, like, <laughs> <laughs> man. I know the original Japanese theme song. All right. <laughs> like, I think that they just like it, like for like Yahweh reasons, and not for you know like <laughs> Yahweh. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. like they, that's a whole other thing. But if you Google Devilman Crybaby Deviant Art, like, it gets, <laughs> oh, dude. It, it gets dark. Get well, that's like Google uh, Sonic the Hedgehog Deviant Art, <laughs> Google Batman and Superman, Ooh-hoo-hoo. and then Google, Google Bruce and Clark. Oh, that's a geez. whole <laughs> other Google image search. I challenge you, <laughs> Superhouse Yahweh, Superhouse host Yahweh. Oh, yeah, are you guys gonna do a Yahweh episode? <laughs> Coming 2019. Although I did ask, I know you you don't claim that much, but some Fujoshis you could hit up. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not that, but um, I am interested, and I'll help you with the research if you need it. But uh, for Kusoge, do that one next. Yeah, see, I don't know why Kusoge is is weird because it's like in some cases Kusoge seems like it's like a matter of opinion, like because there's some uh, there's some people who would say Shaq Fu is Kusoge but then there's probably other people who would be like Shaq Fu is the greatest fighting game of my generation you know it's like <laughs> well there's another PC engine game called fucking um uh, uh photograph boy oh yeah get it's like geki geki sha boy yeah that game is great it's a blast it's 
It's amazing. I beat it. I loved it so much. But there's a sequel on PS2, I think. Is there really? Man, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, a great. Uh, but is that kind of Kusoge, though? See, I don't. Because to me, Kusoge means a game that in its essence was like poorly made. And I think that Gekisha Boy is like a well made game. Just a weird concept and a weird, like not much draw for like, like market, but yeah. like. It's like, and like, just like Mr. Mosquito, you know, it's like a fun game to play. It's like a well-made game. It's just so weird. Right. Kuso gay, by the way, is uh, Kuso means shit and gay is short for gamu. Yeah. Yeah. So like just shit, shit games. Hey everybody. It's Andrew. I just wanted to tell you about our friend Israel's retro gaming shop, Retro Co. If you go to retro-ko.com, you'll be able to see all of his retro gaming goodies. If you wanted to get that Sega Saturn hidden gem from back in the day, or if you wanted to get the Famicom disc system that you never got as a kid, or any other type of retro game that you were into, or uh, import game, please go to retroco.com. That's retro-ko.com. And if you use the Superhouse code Johnson's Ballsack, you'll be able to get a little bit of a discount at checkout. So please, once again, if you could just go to retroco.com, you can also go to facebook.com slash retroco with no hyphen. That's R-E-T-R-O-K-O. You'll be able to find him on Facebook as well. If you were looking for that PlayStation import game that you never got, if you were looking for that Mega Drive game that you never got, or any other kind of retro game, any import game, it could even be European. Israel also curates bundles at RetroCo, and he'll curate that bundle just for you. So please go check him out. If you put in the code Johnson's Ballsack at checkout, you'll receive a Superhouse discount. All right, that was awesome. Thank you, Jared, for that. And now we're going to go on to our main segment, which is about American superheroes and how they were localized in Japan. Why did I say localized and not translated? Let's get that. Let's get to that first. All right. Uh, all right. <laughs> Why did you say that? Lane. That was the first thing that I, I want to know about cartoon characters. <laughs> well, we got to do something boring a little bit first. Uh, DayTranslations.com says this: In broad terms, translation is to communicate the meaning of text written in a language into equivalent text in another language. Language localization means to adapt a product or service into the language of any region or country to account for the difference not only in the language, but the culture as well. Language localization means adapting a product or services to the needs of the local consumers aside from just translation of written text. Get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, ha- I do have an example here. Uh, a lot of the times, uh, the, the the voices, f- like in at least like back in the 90s and before, uh, uh, Japanese anime, they had uh, really high, high voices for, fema- for, the, for the female characters. Oh. And uh, part of localization process is to make them not so high because while in Japan, those are sort of cute characters. They love the cutesy high voice. We hate uh, them here in America. In America, it's just a little <laughs> bit too goddamn much. So that's not Shut just translation; up. that's localization. All right. So it's a right. it's a broader term. 
Okay. Learn something every day on the Superhouse Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to... I hope you're taking right, notes. This is a snooze fest. Get to the cartoons. <laughs> All right. So the first one's not actually a cartoon. It's a live-action tokusatsu show with Spider-Man Boy. in Japan. <laughs> okay. Oh, I like Spider-Man. Continue. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> How did this happen? How the fuck did Spider-Man get to Japan? All right. So Marvel and Toei basically exchanged rights to... Ride. Done. <laughs> they exchanged rights to the characters. Japan even got the rights to Captain America from Marvel, and then Marvel got some Toei characters, but I don't think they ever did that much with them. Uh, huh. But but Toei did do uh, with Spider-Man, but they did get Captain America as well, but they knew that Captain America is not going to sell that well in Japan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Captain Japan! <laughs> that would have been awesome if they did that, and that's... You know they might have they might have done that with a with a show called Battle Fever J, <laughs> which is Captain another Tokusatsu Japan. show. Uh, That's a terrible name for uh, Captain Japan. It's Captain Japan. <laughs> I think <laughs> they took Captain some <laughs> elements of that. I could be wrong on that. Correct me in the comments or whatever. But uh, anyway, they did go the crazy with Spider Man. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I guess minimal. Very minimal. It'd be kind of interesting. All right, that's drawing challenge. Audience, <laughs> yeah, please do something Send with us that. Your Captain yeah, Japan take artwork. me on because mine's gonna be the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You you go up against Maddie. All right. Yeah. So as per usual, let's take a look at the intro to Japanese Spider-Man. You're right. I, I, I just don't. I just don't get out. <laughs> I've much. been saying nor, that for nor do years. I, so. It's Nor do I have the desire to solve crimes. <laughs> I go into comic book stores and see it and go, "Ain't no Stefan." The least, yeah, the <laughs> the least ambitious, one but best detective. Yeah, <laughs> he found my keys every time I was looking for him. Oh man, like, I got the eagle eye, baby. You lose something, I'll find it. But he anyway. stole my heart. <laughs> <laughs> he always does uh. that. <sighs> All right, Spider-Man is a Japanese live-action tokusatsu <laughs> television series produced by Toei, loosely based on Marvel Comics Spider-Man character. You gotta <laughs> be kidding me! That looks spot on. <laughs> While Toei's yeah. version of the character wore the same costume as his Marvel counterpart, the show's storyline and origin of the character's powers deviated greatly from the source material. In addition to fighting by himself, this incarnation of Spider-Man piloted a giant robot known as Leopardon. Leopardon. <laughs> I don't know where they came up with that name. Uh, Wait, that's not good. I want to know why. Why is it called that? Um, I suck at that research. Sorry. Uh, 
That could be. That could but be. I know why. It's because the the uh, Japanese love leopards. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Which you, know, you could use that. You could use that as a uh, as an insult to somebody. Be like, your sister's so loose. She makes the Japanese Spider-Man look like it's accurate to its source material. Oh, <laughs> nerd. Come on, that was great. <laughs> he would use Lepardon to summon he would summon Lepardon to thwart off in large versions of the show's monsters. You've you know, you saw this in Power Rangers basically. The 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 monsters make my monster grow, you know, so it's yeah. all kind of the same thing. Um just to illustrate just how different this version was, after transforming, Spider-Man even said, I'm Spider-Man, emissary from hell. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Oh, dude, dude, it's great, man. <laughs> Spider-Man just turned into the most metal superhero. Yeah. He says he's straight up I from hell. They, they need to add the whole scene. <laughs> yeah, we need Tom Holland to swing in. Dude, That's I love it, man. I love it. Dude, that would be such a great promo for uh, the new Far From Home. Oh, like, dude. Just for them to redo the intro to that or something and By just have like, really fun with far it. From home. By far, we <laughs> meant he went to Japan and found out about this guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that'd be sick too, because if it's Mysterio's the villain, Mysterio uh, can make anything happen, right? I so. hope there's a, I hope there's a reference to it in Spider Verse somehow. Oh, no, he's in it. Be, he's that in would it. be some. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. This Spider Man's <laughs> in it. Not in the movie. Oh no, no, not in the movie. But he's in the. Uh, He's in the comic, comic Spider Verse comic. Oh no, no, yeah, no, oh yeah, I meant to say, uh, yeah, into the spider, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although the show's story was criticized for bearing almost no resemblance to the Marvel version, <laughs> the staff at Marvel Comics, including Stan Lee, praised the show for its special effects and stunt work, especially the spider-like movement of the character himself. <laughs> While it is said that Marvel initially opposed the addition of Leopardon, the robot was viewed as a necessary gimmick to attract younger viewers and was ultimately kept. The show's mechanical designer, Katsushi Murakami, a, des a toy designer at the time, expressed concern about toys' capability to market Spider-Man to Japanese audiences and was given permission by producer Yoshinori Watanabe, Watanabe to take whatever liberties he deemed necessary. <laughs> Murakami came up with the idea of giving Spider-Man an extraterrestrial origin as well as a spider-like spacecraft <laughs> that could transform cool. into a giant robot due to the popularity of giant robot shows in Japan. So I have a question, Andrew. Y yeah. So um, why doesn't his robot look like a spider? Dude, I or don't know. Or something that resembles like a bigger version of Spider-Man. Like, why does it look like Voltron? I think it's a kind of a missed opportunity. I, I think, I, th I I don't know why. I mean, they should have called it like Spider-Don or something too. It's Leopardon. It's it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it should have a little bit more of a spider thing going on. But yeah. it's probably just that's why I was asking whether or not some of these. I wonder if some of these Tokusatsu creatures and, and robots and stuff aren't somewhat interchangeable like different paint schemes and stuff i don't know enough about it to think that maybe they just pulled something off the shelf and they're like give this to spider-man no maybe i mean maybe <laughs> you just said yeah that makes sense but that is to say is like it maybe it plays heavy kind of heavy, well maybe not but maybe it plays into the story somewhat um that since it's so wildly different from the marvel comics god you gotta have the details don't you andrew 
Uh, we'll definitely be getting some more details now. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, hurry up. <laughs> Leopardon or Leopardon is a giant robot that Marveler can transform into. Marveler is the space craft, I believe. Okay. And that, that's kind of like a ship, and that can transform into the robot. He's over 60 meters tall and has a weight of over 25,000 tons. I don't know why they wanted to make up all those <laughs> stats, but whatever. And Leopardon is even mentioned in Ready Player One, the book, a few times. I remember reading that. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> Not the movie, though. So what about the plot changed so much, you ask? <clears throat> Well, young motorcycle racer Takuya Yamashiro sees a UFO falling to Earth. In fact, a space warship named the Marveler. Takuya's father, Dr. Hiroshi Yamashiro, a space archaeologist, <laughs> investigates the case, <laughs> but is killed upon finding the spaceship. The incident oh, also want. attracts the attention of Professor Monster and his evil Iron Cross army, <laughs> an alien group that plans to rule the universe. That's some Nazi shit. Right? Yeah, I know. It sounds Nazi, yeah. <laughs> Takuya follows his father to the Marveler and discovers Garia, the last surviving warrior of Planet Spider. A, <laughs> a world that was destroyed by Professor Monster and the Iron Cross Army. The planet? Garia explains that he was hunting Professor Monster but now needs someone to carry on the fight and injects Takuya with some of his own blood. The blood of a person from Planet Spider gives Takuya spider-like powers. AIDS. Garia then gives <laughs> Takuya a bracelet that can activate his spider protector costume, shoot web lines, and, contr and controls the marvelous ship, which can also transform in Leopardon. Okay. Using his powers, Takuya fights Professor Monster's army and other threats to Earth under the name Spider-Man. Emissary from hell. <laughs> I yes. mean, I honestly Reboot. think this is better than Reboot. the legit Peter Parker story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck Uncle Ben. Yeah, like the first instant you, like I heard this, I was like, that's a little off. And then like the, the next second, I was like, you know what? That's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. With great responsibility comes giant robot. Comes an emissary from, <laughs> from Planet <laughs> Spider. <laughs> I'm in. I'm I mean, in. I, if anything, reboot. if they rebooted this, I need them to go to Planet Spider. Like, what does that look like? Dude, yes. that would be awesome. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, well, that's Fuck. why I'm here. Yes, now thank you. Now you can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. <laughs> All right, let's talk about toys. It'd be like Spider-Man would be almost Superman. Because maybe Planet Spider's... Okay, go ahead. No, yeah, that's good. It's just a bunch I'm of going off females. Here. My mind's going crazy. I got that imagination. <laughs> It's a bunch of yeah, female spider women that want to impregnate him. <laughs> no, I don't know. Oh, I don't man. know how spiders work. <laughs> All right, so this is uh, this is mainly for Stefan because he's the hot package guy going into the toys part. Not a whole I love lot, Stephen's but Stefan's hot package. Stefan's hot package on YouTube. Uh, the action figure for Leopardon uh, was initially sold as part of the Chogokin toy line. Chogokin, do you know about this, Stefan? Uh huh. This is big with, like, anime and Japanese <laughs> properties. Chogokin. And became an unprecedented Joe, success America. in the market. <laughs> what did you say? I said G.I. Joe. America. Uh, oh, Don't yeah. Know America. Japanese. No, I'm just kidding. 
the toy line also contributed to the TV series' popularity as well. The success of the show made Toei introduce the giant robot concept to their Super, San- Super Sentai franchise in Battle Fever J. <laughs> um, it's co-produced by Marvel as well, actually. So Marvel actually has some history with Super Sentai, uh, a.k.a. Power Rangers. Anyway, uh, and uh, I looked on eBay and Leopardon is going anywhere between 150 to 300 bucks For the toy? Nice. Yeah. And he bought one. I did not get one. That's uh, damn I, it. I don't. I don't get those. That's too much. Man. I sold a box of one full of bricks, <laughs> but I, I won't tell you my eBay, eBay profile because I don't want to know somebody down. that actually bought a fucking quote unquote laptop that was just full of like yeah, paper that shit or something. Happens all the time. I just found out. Anyway, yeah. Careful out there, consumers. There's also a vintage Japanese 1978 Popey, P O P Y. Would Which you call me? Seems to be <laughs> seems to be like a kind of Japanese Mego. Remember, this is the seventies. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, complete Spider-Man figure, mint in box, Peter Parker for a solid five hundred bucks on eBay. If you want to get that, five hundred. <laughs> yeah, solid five hundred, man. I ain't no fi- five hundred and twenty-five cents. That's solid. <laughs> Boom. Nothing more, nothing less. Oh man. Um, and then uh, this is something that was new to me because uh, I knew pr- I've I've known about the Japanese show for a while, but looking into the manga now, uh, Spider-Man oh, awesome. colon the manga is a Japanese manga <laughs> illustrated by Ryoichi Ikegami, which retold the story of Spider-Man in a Japanese setting. It was originally published in Japan from in January. From January 1970 to September of 71, so fairly short run. Wait, can I ask a question? Yeah. So is he retelling just the Amer- the Marvel Comics version or retelling the Spider-Man television series? Dude, I think it's he's going, he's, it's a whole, it's like a third version because it's not wow. the Takuya guy. It's, this guy's name is uh, Komori Yu, or Yu Komori. But so he's like... A high school kid, and he like takes photographs and blah blah blah. Uh, he, uh, okay, yeah, good question. He's not Peter <laughs> Parker, uh, and he's not Takuya from the Spider-Man Japanese show. He's a junior high school student named Yu Komori, and he is bitten by a radioactive spider that does give him spider-like powers. And what so, else? I guess he, I'm just gonna have to read it. <laughs> he hey, faces Amazon, Electro, the Lizard, Mysterio, and the Kangaroo. Ooh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> It also features Aunt May, which is M-E-I. Aunt <laughs> May. J. Jonah Jameson shows up, and he does work at a newspaper. So okay, kind so, of, so they, they took classic. a little bit more. It's classic, but bit. it's in Tokyo. I don't know how okay, they deal gotcha. with the names like J. Jonah Jameson. I was really hoping that it would have been um, just the retelling of the tele- live-action television show. That would have been so cool. because could have went to Spider-Planet, because why wouldn't you? In a comic, yeah, I know, right? I, there might be some comics of that. Uh, I'm I'm focusing mainly on this run. There are a few other. There's probably several manga runs, uh, but this is this seems to be one of the original ones, and it seems to have some sort of uh, uh, what cult following, I guess. And there was an English translation okay. too. It seems like. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the writer's name was Kosei Ono. And on the completion of the sixth story, Kazumasa Hirai became the writer. Ikegami continued to provide the art, though. 
The first few stories featured analogs to several Spider-Man villains and supporting cast while maintaining an altogether more moody atmosphere. The later Hirai-written stories deviated further from the source material and included scenes of sexual and gruesome imagery what? of a kind not Whoa. seen in U.S. Spider-Man comics. <gasps> I'm ready for that. The later stories involved less comedy, they were more dramatic, and they had more realistic artwork that reflected Ikegami's later style. Check this out. Sick. Spider-Man the manga is now considered canon in the Marvel multiverse and is designated as having taken place on Earth 70091. During the Spider-Verse crossover, Komori is explicitly named as one of four of five Japanese Spider-Men, taking part wow. in the final battle against Morlun and its inheritors. That Dang. I want to read. Yeah, I need to read this Spider-Verse shit, man. Apparently it's fucking epic as shit, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I'm looking it up on Amazon. I'm probably going to order it. <laughs> <laughs> Soon he'll find out. Going back to Takuya real quick. Uh, in American Marvel, Takuya Yamashiro and Leopardon appeared in several issues of the 2014 comic book event Spider-Verse alongside other alternate universe versions of Spider-Man such as Miles Morales, Miguel O'Hara, or O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099 and uh, thereby allowing Yamashiro to interact with his fellow Spider-Men for the first time in Marvel canon. Cool. Really. Hmm. There was also a yes. Takuya Spider-Man movie in Japan on July 22nd, 1978, and it premiered at the Toei Manga Matsuri, Matsuri Film Festival. Matsuri is festival in Japanese. Uh, it, uh, it was directed by series director Koichi Takemoto and written by Susumu Takaku, the movie was the first appearance of the character of Juzo Mamiya, who sub subsequently appeared in three episodes of the series, episodes 11, 12, and 14, because the movie takes place between episodes 10 and 11. Oh, wow. They fit a whole movie in between two. It was kind of a thing. I think it was pretty popular yeah. the year, the year really? it came out. Yeah, I think well, in Japan. X-Files yeah. did it between seasons to connect into oh, okay. the new season. So Yeah. There seems to be nothing planned movie-wise for Takuya or the Japanese, any Japanese Spider-Man now, though, which kind of sucks. I do wish that at least... Uh, it's to, well, I've heard that Japanese Netflix is like the most, has the most content out of, out of any Netflix. And oh, well. at least... It well, I'll probably be the fucking Marvel streaming service now, but... But like... Uh, so do this. Do, do, does this... Does Toy still hang on to the Spider-Man license to be able to do something with it, or is that long gone by now? It's probably gone, but Marvel Japan could still release some stuff. They own the rights to it, you know. Oh, okay. Toei probably would get some cut. Very small, though, but they'd probably do it. And yeah. I remember when I was in Japan, it seemed like a lot of people don't even know who Batman is, you know. Like, it's it's crazy. I think oh, maybe yeah. now because there's much more movies and, st and shit, but mm -hmm. I remember, like, people knew Spider-Man, you know. Yeah. And you got to think, too, like, the body type. This is just my, me personally speaking, like... Are Japanese people going to get into Batman, who's his, you know, ripped bodybuilder-looking guy, or mm. this like svelte gymnast-looking character? Yeah. You know who who's a who can a Japanese, you know, mainly boys, but you know, or dudes any of any age, but you know what what character, what body type are they going to most associate themselves with? You know, it's 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 more of a Spider-Man body type, I think. Mm-hmm. 
more more so than definitely like a Thor or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have heard that Iron Man also is getting pretty big in Japan. Well, it, you know, all the Marvel the movies have some sort of a thing, but yeah, it's the robot thing. You know, the so. mecha suit, and he just has a normal build as well, so that's yeah. just not an issue. Um, so to finish up, Japanese Spidey. Uh, Japanese Spider-Man was also highly influential and maybe even the main influence for Super Sentai, a.k.a. the Power Rangers. The two franchises in Japan have the same creative teams behind them. Toei would adopt the giant robot concept in subsequent incarnations of Super Sentai franchise. And going back to that uh, Marvel and Toei deal, uh, Rita Repulsa, if you uh, remember her from the original uh, American Mm -hmm. run, uh, they think that... uh, you know, that was originally a Japanese character, right? And mm-hmm. they think that Toei might have gotten an idea t- for her from Hela, from Thor. Again, this uh-huh. is a rumor that I've heard at panels at conventions, not uh-huh. just people walking around. I have, I have that uh, heard that. the inspiration for it? Yes. Because Marvel and Toei were really, they were talking pretty closely for a while. Interesting, yeah. So there's quite a lot more to Japanese Spider-Man, but we're, I, I'm gonna just uh, I'm gonna uh, end that for now. It. Yeah, put a pin in that one. We can come back to that at a later date if you guys want. Any uh, final thoughts on him before we move on? I want my own robot. <laughs> All right. I want to go to Spider Planet. I know. I do too. No, it sounds Step too scary. Dog. I don't want to go. I take that back. It Maybe sounds fucking terrifying. <laughs> um. All right. So moving on to our second part. Ninja Turtles in Japan. Oh, no. <laughs> you say what? <laughs> okay, yeah, this was uh, interesting, man, researching this shit. So there seems to be two main versions of this, okay? So TV Tokyo, this is a company, uh, they did the original Japanese dub for the 1987 TV series, okay? So that's, that's version one. Then there were OVAs, and I'm going to explain that in a minute. But OVA... Uh, there was one, and it was an OVA series called Mutant Turtles Superman Legend, <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> which I think Superman is a is a mistranslation or a lazy translation because uh, the kanji is Chojin. Chojin uh-huh. is literally Superman. Uh, you know, it's like Ubermensch. It's so, like a it's, yeah, it's a person that's super. Yeah. Right. Uh, Nothing uh, to do with DC. To right. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's good. You're answering my questions just as I'm thinking of them. So all you hear is I'm trying to and beeps. Yeah, I'm trying to do my best. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Proceed. Wolverine mask, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it's got the kind of points Shadowhawk esque. Yeah. The fuck is their thing? So what's their thing? You know, they're doing their own thing over there. <laughs> it's the whole give them a mech thing. Ooh, that's cool. That's like Ronin Warriors. Uh. 
<laughs> Our American cultural sensibilities can't make sense of this. <laughs> What's I'm, going I'm on there with the fucking Donatello? With the fuck? well, why, why are the turtles so different looking than every other character looks the same? Yeah, that's true. Oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, this is. That guy's cool. I wonder what Isagio Jimbo looks like. They have oh, individual man. crystals to. Wow, well, I have no sense of the premise, but my oh, you're gonna crotch hear is tingling. <laughs> There's a spider. What? There's a good spider, Mac. Damn, look at that cool. thing. I do feel like I've seen toys of these though, like pictures yeah. at least. Is that a thing? What are they laughing there? That shredder is kind of interesting looking. The shredder face design. Yeah. <laughs> look at is this that guy. Is that, 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 is that when they combine their powers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> super, super turtle. Sorry, I don't mean to be. You might be like surprised to hear, but suits. they all combine into one big robot. <laughs> oh, you, I know. Well, I that's never so been original, to, man. I didn't just catch never been, on that, that whole concept. Man. I never been to Japan, but I know pretty much everything about their culture. <laughs> it's called fucking Voltron. I know about it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Nice. Uh, the translations for the opening song lyrics go as A mighty enigma is swirling about In the midst of darkness Volumes surround us And we don't let it bother us <laughs> We know the bounds of courage And the worn out legends of old fights Have overflowed our shells Go go turtles Power up transformation Go go turtles Blow away the evil legions <laughs> It starts off like uh, Lao Tzu or something and then turns into a wrestling <laughs> commentary. I mean, the songs, I have to say, is better than the American one. I'm sorry, people, but... Not better than that 2014 one, though. Literally telling you what this thing is. IMDB lists the synopsis as such. Mutant Turtles... Superman Legend is a two-part OVA series from Japan based on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles TV show. In the first episode entitled Super Dai Pinchu, that's a big, super big pinch. Uh, like, I'm in a pinch. Like that. Oh, okay. So saint like Toljo, which is uh, the, the entrance of the saint. Uh, the turtles explore the temple of the lost Muda kingdom. Mutagen, okay? Mute, maybe maybe okay. Muda. Okay. Where they I'm met the spirit of light called Chrismu, <laughs> who was contained inside the Muta stone. That's that stone in the beginning. <laughs> it's not. It's not a canister of mutagen. It's a. It's a crystal magic. Yeah. I bet you the new series pulled from the Japanese one considerably. In reward, she gives the, <laughs> the turtles the ability to do the super mutation, which turns them from regular turtles into super turtles for three minutes. Yes, there's a time limit. <laughs> like the stipulations well, I'm here. Glad. When all four super turtles turn into one, they turn into the almighty Turtle Saint. Turtle Saint. <laughs> Very religious. religious oh man. That's all crazy. Right. Yeah. So the first episode is based on the Super Mutants line, which while the second episode is based on the Japanese exclusive Metal Mutation line. The OVA, I swear I'm getting to OVA in a minute. The OVA was produced by B Media, that's B-E-E, -E, and Tsuburaya Productions. You probably heard Godzilla correspondent talk about Tsuburaya before. They're most famously known for Ultraman. 
The OVA features most of the same cast as TV Tokyo's original Japanese dub of the ni- of the uh, 87 series. Most not- most notably Hideyuki Umezu. Though not released in English, the series has been completely fan subbed. And there's a couple there's at least a couple videos on YouTube where the subs are like somebody's just having fun with it like it's like let's do <laughs> let's do drugs. Yes, I love doing drugs. Like it's <laughs> ridiculous. Awesome. Yeah, you can you can add your own you can add subtitles to a lot of videos on YouTube now. That's fucking so funny. <laughs> it, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I was watching and I was like, "What the fuck?" What? But what that, was great is nobody believed the subs, which was yeah. good. I I think since since our college days like uh, torrenting foreign anime and stuff like that, I think there like there was a small subculture community of like sub people that would throw up subs and they and they I think they would like it was it was a popular thing for people to like throw in their own interpretations like they would be that translation but they'd kind of even exaggerate it more for for the 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 online torrent audience that they knew they were kind of catering to so there would be a lot of that kind of shit like i'm gonna slap you you punk bitch you know what i mean (laughs) like i do um, i mean they they call it fanlation sometimes too you know it's it's unofficial fan translation and there's a bunch of that online because you know, so there's a funny. bunch of niche audiences that that people yeah. just can't wait for. And man, I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of these, and a lot of them are good, man. Like these these guys are doing it for free, and they're fucking good at it. Oh wow, yeah. Some of them might be a little off, like you're talking about, Stefan. But a lot of the times, it's like, fuck, you should work for Netflix. You know, it's like it's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Subtitle jockey. I finally arrived. We finally arrived. What the fuck is an OVA? This is a very popular thing in the anime world. Uh, Original right. video animation. Uh, it's sometimes OAV too for some reason. Uh, Is the same guy who came up with the term FMV, full ma- motion video. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Japanese animated films and series made specifically for home video release, without prior showings on television or in theaters. Oh, so wow. yeah, it means home video release basically. I don't know why there's a different yeah. name, but that's what they like to go with. Um, yeah. And sometimes they they all do a little bit uh, of OVA for promote promotional purposes on broadcast TV, but uh, it'll just be a little clip of it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the next chunk of it, this uh, little segment comes from TMNTEntity.com. A lot of great stuff on that website. I recommend it to anybody interested in the, interested in this stuff. Um, Japan's very first taste of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came in the same package that most of us recall as our first Turtles experience: the '80s. TMNT cartoon from Murakami Wolf Swenson, now simply known as Fred Wolf. It's interesting that his name was Murakami. That's the last name in Japan, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, never mind, never mind. Uh, that's three different guys. Sorry, I read that wrong. Okay. All right, anyway. Um, Get it. Get I guess, yeah, anyway, all right. Uh, the Japanese received the show in a rather complicated manner. <laughs> So, you know, here in the U.S., a single foreign media franchise can be broken up and then sold to different companies for overseas release. Like how Pioneer, Manga Entertainment, and Funimation all have their own wildly different uh, dubs for the Lupin, Lupin, L-U-P-I-N, you've probably seen this anime before, Lupin the Third. There's several different versions of that just because that's how it was released over here. So this is what happened in Japan with Ninja Turtles. Uh, the original Ninja Turtles cartoon was released across three different formats and with three completely different tubs. This oh, gave wow. the series some considerable coverage 
ensuring that every man, woman, and child in Japan would get to see the series no matter where they got their cartoons from. Unfortunately, it also meant that there were three different versions of the same show going at almost the same time, confusing kids Weird. all over Japan. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't give a fuck about the turtles. It's <laughs> like, what? This is so retarded. Sorry. Some of the dubs are known for uh, some bizarre oddities, such as Donatello having a rather deep and gruff and manly voice, <laughs> uh, <laughs> provided by Furuta Nobuyuki, while Raphael... Oh, oh, he's great. You know him? No, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I tried to find specifically him uh, so it could have a little sound bite, but fuck, I couldn't find his particular voice, man. Um Anyway, Raphael had an inexplicably effeminate tone. <laughs> it's completely off character. Uh, <laughs> provided by Seisuke Kameyama, whose last name, ironically, is also means Turtle Mountain. Kame is turtle. Yama is mountain. Um, Kame, Kame is pretty fairly common in Japan, uh, which is turtle. Uh, perhaps the most perplexing of all, the Shredder regularly referred to Krang as Mr. Krang. <laughs> so he gave him some uh, respect, I guess. Um, Mr. Crane. The second television dub, inarguably the most popular, began its run in 1993 on TV Tokyo for a total of 102 episodes, ending with Donatello's Bad Time. <laughs> <laughs> TV Tokyo was one of Japan's major networks. You could compare this, this to NBC or CBS. Um most popular, you would hear about NHK, but I guess that's a, they're like the NBC over there. But TV Tokyo is another one. Uh, mm -hmm. So it was, it was the most accessible to a wider audience. And uh, there's also NHK2, which is satellite, but it's less so. While the series did not complete the full U.S. run of 194 episodes, you have to understand that a foreign cartoon running for 102 episodes on a major Japanese network like TV Tokyo was nothing short of a miracle. While I cannot confirm, this is the writer, by the way, while I cannot confirm whether this relates to the NHK2 dub, I know that TV Tokyo dub also featured a few name changes. Orokusaki, which is Shredder, uh, is, not, is not a real name in Japan, by the way. Uh, does, uh, it mean, does it mean Eric Sachs? No. That'd be Erikusaksu. Uh, but uh, no, Oroku... Stayed. I don't. That doesn't seem like a real name, but the, that Oroku stayed, but the Saki was changed to so, Sawaki. Sawaki. Cause Sawaki is an actual name in Japan. Saki uh, is a name. Is a word in Japanese. Uh, it means like ahead of or in front of. Sometimes, uh, uh -huh. you know, something something that's ahead of you. But it, but but it's more likely that Eastman and Laird just kind of like made a name that sounded Japanese. It, yeah, you know what they got the they got it sort of in the ballpark. You know, it doesn't, it's not like, uh, I don't know, like, there's this, uh, there's this martial arts writer named Ashita Kim, and he passes himself off as Japanese, I think, but Kim is a Korean name. Right. You know, like, that's, it's just like, it's not as bad as that, but, you know, so Rokusaki's fine, but Sa Sawaki, yeah, I, I can see why they wanted to change that. So, uh, an even greater change was made to Hamato Yoshi. Which became Yoshihama Takeshi. Yoshihama okay. Takeshi. Yeah. Um, and then Rex One. Uh, who is Rex One again, dude? Remind me of this. Forgive me of my knowledge. Uh, 
my lack of knowledge, listeners. Rex one. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, if you don't know it, then uh, well, fuck. Hold yeah. on. It, is that, that a, is that quick. is that a popular character in the states? Rex one. Is Rex one is a character? TMNT character, I think. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember this dude. Yes. Rex One was renamed as Robocop. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. In an act of pure trademark infringement. (laughs) But I guess they never fucking called him out on it. (laughs) Robocop. Okay, let's talk about the manga real quick. There were several Japanese Ninja Turtle manga books out. Some of them were basically sort of copying and pasting artwork from the cartoon. And some of them that took more liberties... One series was called Mutant Turtles Gaiden. <laughs> Gaiden, cool. by the way, translates as supplementary story. Uh, so Ninja supplementary story? That's yeah, what like a called. story that's supplementary to the real story. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> fair enough. This was written by Hiroshi Kano. Uh, it was a complete reboot of this turtle story rather than a continuation of the cartoon universe. It reimagined the characters in the opening arc of the Fred Wolf cartoon with a number of brand new twists. Kano's art style was far more action-oriented with the frighteningly, frightening, frighteningly buff turtles and some rather exotic designs for April and Irma. The stories still retain a comedic atmosphere, though, never getting too serious for its own good. Aimed at an older audience than the manga that came before it, uh, let me let me rephrase that. It was aimed at an older audience, and the Mutant Guidance Mutant Turtles Guidance series featured a more featured more violent imagery, blood, skimpy outfits. <laughs> it says that Irma was in her underwear, <laughs> and uh, there was even uh, getting a little bit serious here. But uh, there was even some implied threat of rape from Bebop mm. to April. Yeah, that's so, like that Ninja Scroll shit, man. They really get you to hate the character because you know some kind of weapon's going to go through his face at some point. I'd love Hopefully. to read this, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit, you know, like a Fist of the North Star. I don't know. They always make, like, they'll make it like super kitty or super violent. Like there's nothing in between, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the toys as usual. Takara. If you remember from the, I think, Micronauts episode that we mm. did, they're a big toy company in Japan, and they were the ones that distributed the Playmates Ninja Turtles toy line in Japan. The box art is pretty fucking awesome. I look, was looking on eBay today, and MIB Fig can go around 250 bucks for one of those. Uh, some of them were 300 and... Uh, I, you know, the box art's awesome. I was looking, like, it's well-made, like most Japanese toys are. But, like, if you guys take a look, I can send a link in a minute, but, like, they're, like, the midsection's too thick. Uh, let's go on to the games now. There were several Ninja Turtles games in Japan, but just to keep it brief, let's just talk about one of them. Uh, the first one, the first game actually came out before the cartoon did. (laughs) Um, yeah, it was the first NES or Famicom in Japan, uh, was a Famicom Ninja Turtles game was released by Konami Ultra and it was released without any Ninja Turtles label whatsoever. It was instead 
relabeled as Radical Turtle Ninja Legend. <laughs> Geki Kame yes. Ninja Den. That's so, gonna be the name of my bio- autobiography. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Geki, this kanji Geki. So Geki Kame, you could say uh, Geki is a. Uh, it can mean extreme. But uh, this guy translated it as radical, which uh, I think is not a bad translation. Mm-hmm. Um, extreme, bro, you know, so uh, or extremely hot, like geki kara means extremely uh, spicy. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and kame is turtle, so geki kame ninja den. Den is uh, legend. Um, so, yeah. All right. Dang, I can't find anything on it. I wanted to see it. Yeah. What it looked like. Dude, it's it's weird. You you see like a it's like a green kanji sort of turtley, but it does not it doesn't look like the Ninja Turtles art at all. Really, uh-huh. it, it looks like a knockoff, but it, technically not a knockoff. It's it is them. It's just not the, the name. Huh. I'm yeah. Digging deeper. <laughs> Last part. We're now leaving the Ninja Turtles section. You guys have anything to say about that? That was weird. It made me feel weird. <laughs> I don't like it. I like it the way it is over here. Quit changing it, Japan. Okay, so you like the Spider-Man changes, but not the Ninja Turtle changes. I guess I do. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I want to think about it. I mean, I love me some Spider-Man over here. Uh, I like it all. I like it all. I'd watch some of that crazy. I, I'm more open to the shit. Spider. I'm more open to the Spider-Man stuff being weird and different than the turtle stuff. Yeah, turtles. But I hold the turtles. Yeah, I hold it dear. I hold it very close. I can't fault you for that one. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So the last section is going to be the shortest section, y'all. Um, it's the uh, X-Men cartoon in the 90s. How did they bring it over to Japan? How different was it? Well, let's get to it. First of all, let's, let's watch the intro. They don't fuck around. Look at Cable, Cable, dude. Awesome. Oh, that's my man. Get him. It's like they look. It's like they looked at the American one and they're like, "Oh, you guys aren't even finished yet." Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is awesome. I'm glad they kept it hard rock. Yeah. No, this is Omega Red. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Ah! I want this cartoon right now. <laughs> we got people. We're gonna stop what we're doing. We're just gonna watch X-Men. <laughs> yeah. all episodes. This is like I thought this was a fan thing. I think I've seen this long time. Ago. This was real, bro. That was like fan made. I was like, oh man, they should make that. Ignorance, ignorance. <laughs> yes. That fucking Professor X. <laughs> Cry for the moon, bro. <laughs> I will cry. The for illustration the moon. at the end is pretty terrible, though. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> the rest great. of it is uh, solid. Professor X looked like he took a dump in his pants. Yeah. It's in my chair now. Oh. Oh man, I thought I was smart. That was great. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So, sadly enough, the intro and the outro were the only things changed. 
which is why this was the shortest section, by the way. Ah. Um, the, 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 the rest of it was pretty much just dubbed and subbed. But uh, So, yeah, X-Men originally aired on TV Tokyo from 1994 to 1995. For the TV Tokyo dub of the series, the intro was replaced with a new Japanese animated sequence as well as a new theme called Rising by the band Ambience. Starting with episode 42, a second new intro was used featuring the song Dakishimitai Dare Yorimo, which means, uh, like, I want you to uh, hug me more than anybody else. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I also want the uh, X-Men to hug me, so I get I'm it. I'm going to use that. <laughs> I don't know you why. <laughs> pretty. I like you, and I want you to hug me. I want to hug you longer than it. I want to hug I, or I want I want to hug you more than more than anyone else. Yeah, That's sweet. Yeah, um, <laughs> the end credit sequence was also changed. It features shots of American X Men comic books set to the song "Back to You," also by Ambience. The TV Tokyo dub was directed by Yoshikazu Iwanami and featured scripts rewritten to include a more humorous, self-satirical tone as well as an emphasis on comical ad-libbing. Ad-libbing, a hallmark of Iwanami's dubbing style. Episodes were edited for time so that new segments could be added to the end, which promoted the X-Men Children of the Atom video game from Capcom, which was yeah. one of the beginnings of the whole Marvel versus Capcom fighting series. Mm-hmm. I remember playing Children of the Atom on Saturn with my pet parakeet named Petey. Because I liked Dumb and Dumber so much, I got a parakeet. <laughs> Don't know why that was just around that time, and I was playing that game. And I had a I had a bird in the room. Yeah, I want to say I had a bird that was also named Petey, but I can't be sure that that's the truth. Been, and then <laughs> a bird's heads are falling off. Yeah. God, I was lost my I, mind I, on that I, shit. We did have a parakeet for a, a little while. I don't remember his name. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah, that bird didn't last very long, no. but. What'd you do to it? We moved, and I think it got... I don't know. I don't... I think it didn't... Andrew I don't know, man. It didn't last that long, I feel like. Dang. I remember taking care huh? of it, but I don't know. Anyway, the dub <laughs> actors would pretend to play the game as their characters and make humorous asides and remarks. X-Men was dubbed a second time in the early 2000s for broadcasts on Toon Disney Japan. This dub was more faithful to the original English scripts and episodes were not cut for time. The Toon Disney version used the original American intro and end credits, rather than the unique original Japanese TV Tokyo version. Mm-hmm. But again, other than this, that's the only change. Ba- well, ba- basically yeah. the same thing. Basically yeah, the same other than that. I bet when the American, well, probably not the Americans, but man, they sure made whoever made the other intro, the American intro, probably embarrassed when they saw that one that was so action-packed i couldn't I feel, even believe it i feel like x-men is also another one that's pretty good for uh, you know localization japanese release yeah localization like what like with <laughs> i like the way you brought it all around Stefan. that's great I thanks bro then today uh i have deeper issues than what i've up until now have thought that i had yeah bro and also localization <laughs> okay. Other than localization, what do you think of all this? We're now at the end of the episode. I think the Japanese are so far ahead of the the curve that our feeble Western brains just still can't really make a whole lot of sense of it. 
I've sometimes thought that with other things, like, <laughs> you know how, like, like in 1998 in the early internet, you might have heard about cosplay through, like, early forums or something, AOL days, and then everybody was like, man, the Japanese sure are weird, and then cut to now, oh, man, everybody, I love cosplay, you know, like, every, it's like a huge thing in America now, it's like, culturally, n- nerd culture or whatever, Japan seems to be ahead of the curve, and then America catches up, like, ten years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've thought about that before. Some kind of moratorium on creativity out here. Oh! Just kidding. Maddie? Um, it's weird. I'm open to to all of it. Except for the turtle stuff. Leave them. Leave my babies alone. (laughs) Uh, I really wish they would have done like the open, like there would have been. They would be like, man, this American animation sucks. Let us do it. And there was a small run of, like, X-Men cartoons that, like, you know, I should have been watching. Because I thought yeah. you were going to drop that knowledge. You'd be like, yeah, well, there was only three original episodes they made. I'm like, what? How do I not know about this? <laughs> yeah. That would have been crazy if there was some totally different. But I, I think it was a missed opportunity. A... Yeah. Didn't yeah. they do, like, an X-Men anime later on, like, sometime yeah, in the Yeah, I think there was one, yeah. 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 It's good. But it's just, like, I would have liked a series. Yeah. Right. But I guess I can't have everything I want. Thanks, everybody, listening. Thanks, everybody, for listening to episode 155 of the Superhouse Podcast. This has been a fucking epic episode. Thanks for coming on, Jared. No problem. Thank you. Fucking great, man. Um, Let me pull up my notes here for here. Um, Pull on my nuts. My nuts. So for this episode, we're going to be putting it into the ShinfoCast playlist, which also has the Doctor Strange in the Occult episode, the Video Games in the Occult episode, the Top Video Game Conspiracies episode, and the Hasbro Deep Dive episodes. And uh, we're going to be doing more of these uh, information-based uh, episodes in the future. And I'd like to thank Shasta and Matt Herring once again for their Patreon contribution. Uh if you want to contribute, please go to patreon.com slash superhousepodcast. Superhouse is also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and at superhousepod.com. We are also on Public, which is T-E-E-Public.com and redbubble.com. Uh, if you search for Superhouse, you'll find us. We have some shirts and stuff for sale on there. And I am Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter. Jared, you, are, you're on Twitter? I am not on Twitter, and Jeremy yells at me about it all the time, so <laughs> maybe I'll make one eventually. What's your Instagram? My Instagram is Little Devil's Club. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. And Stefan, uh, what was your Instagram again? Uh, Wolfie Cruz at. Oh, wait, at. Not, not at anything. It's Wolfie Cruz, W O L F I E C R U Z Z. Um, and I got some cool band photos, some shit from the cemetery. Gotta <laughs> get more photos going. Um, but yeah, otherwise you can find me through various outlets uh, under the Superhouse Podcast banner and Superhouse page on Facebook. Um, check me out. And Stefan heads up Superhouse Hot Package Show on our our yeah, YouTube, YouTube channel. So search for Superhouse Hot Package on YouTube, and you'll find that. Hell yeah. And if you can, please leave us a review in the iTunes store. That will help out our visibility on iTunes greatly. So anyway, this is Andrew signing off. It's old Wolfie Cruz. I'm signing out.
you. Jared, peace out. This is Stefan from the Superhouse Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Patreon, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other godforsaken social media outlet that we that we should be floating on. We are basically on all social media. <laughs> yeah, all social media. Mainly Facebook and Twitter and Patreon. Check out the links in the description. We have a lot of uh, cool goals uh, set up on our Patreon. Like if you donate a dollar, you'll be able to uh, give us a topic for us to talk about. And that's we'll talk dope. about for maybe an hour or more. Who knows yeah. how long it'll take. And that's pretty tight. <laughs> that's the coolest thing. <laughs> Wait, we're on the internet? That's pretty good. <laughs> if you and don- we can make money. <laughs> what? <laughs> if you donate $1,000, you get full frontal nudes. We haven't set that up, but it's a possibility. If you give us a grant, who knows what will happen. Check us out. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> You get to go on a date with one of us for $10,000. <laughs> but you pay for everything. <laughs> you get to have your way with Maddie for $20,000. I'll give you Joey for a weekend. For $30,000, we'll help you hide a body. Check out our Patreon. <laughs> Superhouse Gigolo Project. 2018. <laughs> Links in the description.